grab it. Grab, grab your Bibles. I'm going to read an Old Testament reading uh, to you. You may wish to turn there, but if you want, it's fine. Just listen, and then we'll go to the book of Ephesians. But I'm going to be reading from the prophet Hosea, chapter 11. Hosea, chapter 11. And while you find that, uh, let me give you a page number. It's 902, if you're in the church Bible. This is what we're going to do today. We don't normally do this. We're going to look at Ephesians, just a few short verses. I'm going to introduce it in the context of the book of Ephesians. And then Matt Malcolm's going to take us in our normal expository preaching way, get our heads around what the Holy Spirit's saying. But what we're going to do today is we're going to give a longer time for questions and answers. The reason for this is last week we spoke on husbands and wives. This week we're speaking on parents and children. It's a short passage. And it's generated so much discussion in our church community. We thought it would be good just to give people more time to ask questions, to discuss things. So Matt and I, not that we're the fountains of knowledge, but we're going to be standing up here. We'd love you to have a a real freedom to ask questions and comments about relationships within families. So that's what we're going to be doing today. But of course the Bible will be our center piece. So have a look at uh, Hosea chapter 11. Is everyone there? I began this morning by reading to you from 1 John 5, that God is a father. Listen how God speaks about his children. Hosea chapter 11 verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burnt offering to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by the arms, but they they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them and fed them. Come with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Round about page 1167. Round about there in the church Bibles. Ephesians chapter 6. Children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
So it's a very short passage we're going to be looking at this morning. And what I thought I'd do is just put it in its context. I don't want anyone to come to this church and think we're about moralism or that we're some kind of organization called Family First, which is a good organization. But we're not that. We're the church. And therefore, we take the Bible seriously. And we've come to this passage today not to teach moralism, but as part of an ongoing gospel message from the book of Ephesians. And this is what we've seen. We began this series a very long time ago. Have a look in Ephesians chapter 1 with God's master plan for his universe. So look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9 and 10. God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Jesus, things in heaven and things on the earth. God's master plan is this. The mystery of God's plan, which he has graciously revealed to us, he didn't have to, but he has, is the fact that God is summing up and bringing together the fragmented and alienated elements of the universe in Christ. God's plan is to bring the whole universe back into order, united under Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. This is a, 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 a kind of like graphic way of portraying it. Things in heaven, things on earth, that is the spiritual realms, the earthly realms, people, all of that is going to find its order, its reason, its purpose, its joy, its fulfillment under Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. Everything will be subject to him. At the moment, the universe we experience is the Fragniverse. Which is why families break up. Which is why families don't work. Because we're in a Fragniverse. And the things in heavens, there's spiritual rebellion against God. And the things on earth, there's human rebellion against God. And as a result, there's hatred of each other. This is, this is not me making this up. This is what we've been studying as we go through the book of Ephesians. And this tells me why families don't work. Why every Christmas is both joy and sadness and disappointment. But the joy of the book of Ephesians is that there's going to be a restored universe. And with Jesus Christ as Lord, things in heaven, that is the spiritual powers, will be defeated and judged, and they have been on the cross. And the things on earth will be redeemed, reconciled both to God and as a result to each other. That's the book of Ephesians that we've been studying. And we've seen this. So if you're a visitor, you didn't, you so, you didn't have to come to any of our meetings because you just got it all quickly. Now, the whole book of Ephesians can be divided into two halves. Chapters 1 to 3 is the order that Jesus has attained. We've studied how Jesus has brought about that reconciliation, that restored universe, the victory that Jesus has won for us. But in chapters 4 to 6 it changes. And in 4 to 6 is the order that we must sustain as a community of God's people. This is what he has done first, foremost. That's why we're not a moral society. We're a Christian society because we're based on what Jesus has done already 
finished, now we sustain what he has done by his grace. But all of that leads to order in relationships. That finds its fulfillment in these sets of relationships. Christians and word ministers, in chapter 4, we studied it. Christians and Christians, because we don't naturally get on at all. So the Bible teaches us, based on what Jesus has done, how to relate to one another. Then it's Christians and the world, how we live in the world, as, as examples and as light. Last week, husbands and wives. This week, parents and children. Then employers and employees and Christians and the evil one. And we finish the book of Ephesians. But the reason I show you this is because the order in all our relationships, there is a gospel order. That's why last week we saw wives are to submit and obey their husbands. And husbands are to love their wives, lay down their lives for their wives. The reason is because there's order in all relationships, in every set of relationships. And today, and I'm going to hand over right now to Matt, who's going to take us through parents and children from Ephesians chapter 6. One to four. So Matt, if you'll come up, and he's going to take us through this. Good. Good morning, everyone. We got power. No. Yes. Good. Well, too much power. Well, let's pray as we come to this little bit of Ephesians chapter 6 as Dwayne has so helpfully introduced and then we're going to have extended question time so please be thinking not just this week but last week as well husbands, wives and children and parents. Let's pray. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father we thank you and praise you that you haven't left us in the dark and so we pray now that as we look at your word at these four verses in Ephesians 6, that you would speak, change our hearts, and grow us and strengthen us for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. So on the, uh, on the 12th of November, 2004, at 5.50am, can anyone tell me what I might have been doing? Any ideas? There was a... Uh, pardon? Don't get it wrong. Oh. On the 8th of November, <laughs> 2004, woo, I thought you were going to be out in kids' ministry. I had a vice-like grip on my hand, and which almost crushed me to death. And uh, my wife went some, through a little bit of difficulty as well, called labour. We had our first child, Katie, was born. And I remember being so filled with joy and gratitude to God and just praising Him for the amazing gift of little Katie and then little Sammy and then little Lucy. And I remember the months and months before Kate came, uh, Kenny and I reading books about uh, how to be a parent. And the big question I really think was... How are you going to parent this child? Where are you going to look to, to get 
information, guidance on how to be a parent. What kind of parents were we going to be? There's all sorts of places to look to be a parent and uh, lots of people did give us lots of helpful advice on parenting. If you see a young couple who's just had a baby, maybe just withhold your information for a little bit of time while they find their feet. That is good advice. The big question is, where do you go to to get the information, the guidelines on how to be a parent? All sorts of places will tell us about it, but really the one place is where God speaks. The creator of the world speaks to this specific topic He's already spoken, as Dwayne has uh, told us, hasn't he? He's spoken about his plan from the beginning of, uh, of everything to unite everything in Jesus. He's told us how we can be saved uh, and, and united to Christ uh, through his death and resurrection. He's told us how we can be his children in his family and he's told us how to respond to that grace in our lives. And now God sharpens it down to parents, and children. Last week it was husbands and wives and this week it's parents and children. And we're going to see one thing about uh, children and one thing about parents. So let's get into it. I am using this because I'm very techno-savvy. That's the one big thing God requires of Christian children is to respectfully obey their parents. That's what we just taught our kids and that's what we're going to be thinking about now. Have a look there at verse 1 of chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honour your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live in the land for a long time. So Paul has moved on now in the family unit, hasn't he, from husbands and wives and now he's focusing on parents and children and we see one big thing. Christian children obey their parents. That's the normal thing. That's the right thing for Christian children. Did you notice Paul's actually talking to the children? He's not talking about them. He's talking to them. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, first question to think through, obviously, is, is this for all of us? Because we're all children at some stage, right? But the context, which we always let the context be our guide, children are the ones who are growing up under the responsibility of their parents or guardians, the people who are looking after them. So Paul's about to talk to daddies and about bringing up their kids. That's the context of this. We'll get to that in a minute. But now he's talking to the children who are under those daddies. And he says, Obey your parents in the Lord. Now, in the Lord is very important here, isn't it? What does it mean? Well, it doesn't mean obey your parents if they're Christian. If they're not Christian, don't worry about it. It's not the parents who are in the Lord. It's talking about what's expected in a Christian child relating to parents. In the Lord means in the context of normal Christian family life. Christian children obey their parents. Obedience is normal. So if you're a child under the responsibility of your parents, you must respectfully obey them. And we're given three reasons. Did you see the first one? Because it is right. That is, it's acceptable. 
It corresponds with the, the correct standard. It uh, is in accordance with righteousness. It's the way God set it up. It's the way he intended it to be. That's the right order that the creator of everything has made it. It's right. Secondly, because God commands it. God set it up this way and then he tells us to do it. So Paul quotes the fifth commandment from the Old Testament, doesn't he? He says in verse 2, Honour your father and mother. And the point here is, there's a continuity in the Bible in this parent-child relationship. To dishonour your parents is to disobey them. To honour your parents is to obey them. That's what honouring your parents is. So you see what Paul's saying here. He's saying, pulls the Old Testament and says, this is the way it's always been. It's right. That's the way God commanded it. And so you ought to do it. The one big thing God requires of Christian children is to respectfully obey their parents. Because it's right, because God commands it, and because it will go well with you. That makes sense, doesn't it? If God set it up that way and he tells us to do it, he created everything, well, it's actually going to work. That's the thinking here. But uh, Paul leaves out a little bit of information from the quote in the Old Testament here. Um, It's not word for word and he does it deliberately. He's changed it and reapplied it to Christians. In the Old Testament, it's so that it would go well with them in the land that God gives you. But here, he leaves off that. What does he say? Well, he says, Honour your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy life on the earth or in the land. It can go either way. You see what he's saying? This is the way it works now. God set it up that way. It's right. He commands it and it works. So the one big thing God requires of Christian children is to respectfully obey their parents. Now, you might be surprised to hear that when I was growing up, um, I was not very obedient. Actually, I loved to do what I was told not to do. And what I was told to do, I didn't want to do. Probably you weren't like that, obviously, but I was. There's so many examples, it's really just hard to pick one. But here's one. I remember one day my mum said to me, don't go riding your bike out the front Uh, because she was inside doing something or other and I had this ripper little blue BMX bike and uh, for some reason um, I decided that it was more important to ride down the hill in the front yard towards the rose bushes than it was to listen to mum. And as I was sitting there in the rose bushes picking the thorns out after having ridden my beautiful BMX bike down the hill and to the rose bushes, it occurred to me that maybe it would have been a good idea to listen to mum. One thing God requires of Christian children is to respectfully obey their parents because it works. It's right. The God who made everything set it up that way. So let's get really practical. Some of us are, are, are parents here, some of us are children. Firstly, Christian parents, we should only discipline our children for disobedience. God commands, dis, uh, commands obedience of our children. So discipline comes in the context of disobedience. 
kids. You see, kids do all sorts of things, don't they? Just ten minutes ago, my kids frustrated me. Was that cause for discipline? No. They didn't disobey me. They just annoyed me. That's all. Discipline is right when it's appropriate. But discipline is not right for anything other than disobedience. Christian parents don't discipline their kids when they're annoying, when they're frustrating, when they're not making our lives easy or convenient. That is not a place for disobedience, uh, for uh, discipline. See, our kids will push us to the limits and you'll go nuts with them. But if they're just making our life a bit difficult because they are, that's who they are, that's not a cause for discipline. Two, th- two other things to say about discipline. It must be fair and it must be gospel. So it must be fair. If your demands of your kids are too un- unrealistic, if they're harsh or if they didn't hear you, then that's not a, a place for discipline, is it? It's a place for grace or just repeating yourself. It must be fair and it must be gospel. I read a great book by Ted Tripp, it's in the um, bookstore, called Shepherding a Child's Heart. And in that he's got a chapter about how to discipline in a gospel way. And so discipline must be a gospel discipline. It's a great gospel opportunity, isn't it? We are sinners, just like our kids. We need Jesus, just like our kids. Yes, we must discipline our children for disobedience. But it's not punishment, because someone has already been punished for their sin. It's discipline. There's a difference. Yes, I am disciplining you, little Johnny, because you have disobeyed me. And yes, it's the right thing to do because God has made me, as your dad, the, one, the responsible person to show you the right way to live. But daddy is not perfect. Daddy is a sinner too. So let's come to the cross must be fair and it must be gospel discipline. Christian parents, we should discipline our children for disobedience only. Secondly, Christian children, when you find it hard to obey your parents, go to Jesus. If you're a child, sometimes your parents get it wrong and sometimes you get it wrong. Sometimes you just don't want to listen to your mum and dad. And that's called rebelling. Jesus died for that. So when you find it hard, go to Jesus. Pray. Go to his word. Go back to your Bible and see Jesus and allow him to change your heart. Because naturally we won't want to obey anyone, will we? Let alone our parents. So we need God to change us. So there's the one big thing that God requires of Christian children is to respectfully obey their parents. And the one big thing God requires of Christian parents is to lovingly gospel their children. Let me explain that. Have a look at verse 4. One little verse has all the goods here. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, Paul hits up the daddies, doesn't he? The mummies don't get off, but the daddies are the ones who are responsible for doing this. And he gives two commandments. 
the daddies are hit up because we're the head of the household, as we saw last week, uh, and we're the head under Jesus. We love our wives. We're a partnership. We're equal but different, different roles. And we've got a negative and a positive commandment, so negatively first. Christian daddies do not provoke their children to anger. They do not. What does that mean? It means we don't push our kids to the point where they lose it. It means we don't put things in their way that will lead them to boiling over. And if we do, then we need to go back to the cross with them and confess our sins to them. Here's some ways we can provoke our kids to anger. Excessively severe discipline. Going over the top yourself uh, when uh, you discipline. Unreasonably harsh demands. Expecting more of them than we should or more of them than you expect of yourself. Abusing your authority, unfairness, nagging, condemnation, subjecting them to humility. If you're doing that, daddy, you're not being a Christian daddy. You see, God's curbing the Father's authority here for a reason. And do you know why? What's behind this? The kids are people. They're people too. Yes, they're expected to obey their parents. But children are people. And so they're not to be manipulated or exploited or abused or crushed. Christian daddies, do not provoke your children to anger. Christian daddies, bring their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That doth not supposed to be there, but you know what I mean. Christian daddies, bring them up their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, the word bring them up is very important here. It means to nourish them. And we've seen this before. It's a tender care for them, growing them up. In chapter 5, Paul uses this of Jesus to the church. Chapter 5, verse 29 says, No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Jesus does that for us. Christian daddies nourish their children like Jesus does the church, tenderly caring for them. That means loving them to the point of sacrifice. And did you notice what went to nourish our kids in? Christian daddies, nourish your kids in discipline and instruction. Of the Lord. And we hear discipline and instruction. We go, yes, now we're on to it. Let's get them. No. The context is of the Lord. Discipline means correcting wrong behaviour and teaching. Instruction means training in right behaviour and uh, thinking. But here's the key it's of the Lord, it's of Jesus. So behind. The Christian mummies and daddies is Jesus. Is his word, is his gospel, is his love and sacrifice. We don't want our kids just to obey us. We want them to obey Jesus and love Jesus and trust Jesus. And so we lovingly gospel them. Discipline and instruction comes in the context of the gospel of Jesus. 
is love to the point of death on the cross. I asked my kids last night what makes a good daddy and here's a few things that they said. A good daddy gives us lots of cuddles. A good daddy never leaves us and spends lots of time with us. A good daddy buys us presents. That was pretty expected, wasn't it? A good daddy tells us about Jesus. Woohoo! Ticks on the box for that one. A good daddy protects us. Christian daddies, do not provoke your children to anger. Christian daddies, nourish your children. We nourish them in the training and instruction of the Lord. So how do we do it? Let's, let's get practical. How do Christian daddies do this? How do we bring up our kids like that? There's two ways we could try it. The first one is about behaviour and the second one is about the heart. One way of bringing up your children is to just correct wrong behaviour. Teach right behaviour. That's the common way to do it, right? Do this, don't do that. This is the right thing, that's the wrong thing. Do the right thing, don't do the wrong thing. That's making sure that they do the right thing. Because I tell you, follow the orders and do the right thing. But that's not Christian. That's behaviourism. That's being in the army. Not in the army. The other option is about the heart. It's about nourishing the heart in the gospel and training and discipling them in the context of the love of Jesus. We gospel their hearts. So if you shepherd a child's heart, that will lead to changed behaviour. And if you teach changed behaviour in the context of shepherding a heart, then that's Christian. But if you just try and change behaviour without changing the heart, that's just behaviourism. And that doesn't work. And the reason we do it like this, the reason we shepherd a child's heart instead of just correcting wrong behaviour and teaching right behaviour is that that's the way Jesus did it with us. Jesus nourishes, disciplines, instructs us by grace. We've seen that already in Ephesians, haven't we? Chapter 1, verse 7. In Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us. Chapter 2, verse 8. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Jesus saves us by grace and it leads to changed behaviour. That's the way Jesus does it. Daddies, can you see? Jesus nourishes and changes you by grace. And that leads to changed behaviour. Do that with your kids. There once was a donkey who wouldn't move. And uh, the owner of the donkey uh, tried two things. He tried a stick and he tried a carrot. So firstly, he threw the carrot out and the donkey kind of ran to the carrot and ate up the carrot and it just stopped. And then he tried the stick. Got on that donkey and just whipped that sucker. Whip, 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 whip. And the donkey moved for a little bit until the donkey got sore and the owner got tired. But neither the carrot nor the stick produced lasting forward movement. 
you know what? Carrots and sticks work on our kids for a while. You can bribe them to do something and they'll do it. And you can force them to do something and they'll do it for a while. But in the end, that will just lead to resentment and bitterness. But a changed heart, that's different, isn't it? The one thing God requires of Christian parents is to lovingly gospel their children. Daddies, let's get practical. We're putting the knife into daddies tonight and into myself as well because we have been given the responsibility under God to lead this. If you're hearing this, daddies, and you're not doing it, then come back to Jesus. Come back to the cross and change. Take your guilt to Jesus and then get on with it. We're responsible. God's given us responsibility to lead our wives, to love them as Christ has loved the church, and to nourish our children in the gospel. And here's what we are. We are pastor dads. You are a pastor dad. Dwayne is not your number one pastor. Under Jesus, I am not your number one pastor. You are. Daddy, you are the pastor of your family. And so if things aren't going well Christianly at home, guess who's responsible? You. If the Bible is not being opened at home, guess who's responsible? You. If there's no praying, if decisions are being made that are poor, if no one's feeling the love... Guess who's responsible? You and me. Daddy, you are the pastor, Dad. Step up and be the pastor, Dad. Here's a few things. Here's a few tips. First, pastor dads put Jesus and his gospel first. Take a job. That gives you time to come home and love your wife. Open the Bible with your kids. Take a job which doesn't spend all your energy and you come home half a man. Make sure you have time and energy for what's most important. Nourish your family in the truth of Jesus. It's not that hard. You you grab a Bible and you open it. You go into your kid's room before they go to sleep and you read it for a couple of minutes and then you pray with them and you say, can I pray for you, darling? What can I pray for you? takes five minutes if you do that every day and you love them you're nourishing their hearts in the gospel but actually we're jumping the gun here aren't we because we're presuming that you daddy are growing in your relationship with God yourself the first thing you must do Christian daddy is to grow in the grace of the gospel yourself have a look at your heart. Have a look there. What, at your life, what are you trusting? What are you loving? Because what you trust and what you love is what they will trust and they will love. Because you're responsible for them. They are under your responsibility. So Pastor Daddy's put Jesus and his gospel first in their lives, in their marriages, in their families. Secondly, Pastor Daddy's love their children by loving their wives. 
one of the thing, best things you can do for your children is to love your wife. Christian kids need to see that daddy loves mummy. Always remember a really sad thing. Uh, friends of ours got married just before us and uh, uh, they uh, have three kids just like us, but he doesn't love his wife. He doesn't spend time with her. doesn't show her affection. It's very sad. And I asked him once, what do you think? going to think about this. Let alone your wife. They grow up saying, Daddy doesn't love Mummy. Pastor dads love their children by loving their wives. Here's just one idea. Have a weekly date night. You might do that already. Go out, stay in, whatever. We have a weekly date night and if doesn't get cancelled unless someone dies, to be honest. If you die or we have prayer meeting, they're the only two options. We have date night and TV goes off, dinner is cooked, mostly by me, candles are lit and we spend time together. And it's not really hard. I didn't make it up. Learned it from someone else. Men, that's your job. Love your wife. Spend time with her. Pastor dads put the gospel and Jesus first. They love their children by loving their wives. Lastly, pastor dads spend time with their kids. How much time are you actually spending with your children? I'm not talking about in passing, how did your day go? I'm talking about actual time with your kids. When you get home from work, go to your wife first. Yes, sir. Ask her how she's going. Have some time with her. Then go to your kids. Don't just, oh, how are you going? I'm going to play Wii or something. You go and ask them how they went today. Spend some time with them. Take them out on a daddy date. If you've never done a daddy date, do a daddy date. We do a daddy date once a term. Again, I didn't make this up. I just landed off someone who was more godly than me. And we go out. They choose whatever they want. Uh, Temping bowling within reason. We're not going to lobster and going to Hawaii, but tenpin bowling, milkshakes, slot cars. I ask them, how are you going? And I ask them, how, how are you going with Jesus? And then we pray together. That's the context of just sharing life. Because Pastor Daddy's put Jesus first. Pastor Daddy's love their wives and pastor daddy spend time with their children gospeling them and loving them and if you're hearing all this and you're thinking failure hey Jesus still loves you so go to the cross take your kids with you to the cross and start again there's all sorts of things we can do as parents and children aren't there here's two vital things children Respectfully obey your parents and parents lovingly gospel your children. Let me pray. Father, we come before you realising that we are 
broken. We do not do this the way we ought. Please forgive us, especially forgive us daddies who haven't loved our wives properly, who haven't loved our kids properly, who haven't shared the gospel in our family. We ask, Lord, for your mercy. We rely on your forgiveness. And we ask, Lord, that you would change our hearts. For the daddies, help us to lead our families in the truth of the gospel. And we pray that our children would respectfully obey us as we lovingly gospel them. Amen. Thank you for that. I was, sorry, I was just waiting for an amen. Did you? I didn't hear it. All right. Great. No. Right. Now, folks, I'm looking at the time. And here's what we want to do. Because of last week's sermon on husbands and wives and this week's sermon uh, on parenting and children, we thought it would be great if we could have a slightly longer questions and answer time. And the reason for this is because this is a community thing. When you teach the Bible... You're not the fountain of all knowledge, particularly when it comes to relationships. We all learn from each other. We're all Christians. Many have been Christians longer than both Matt and I. And so there's a lot of wisdom going on out there. So we do want to open it and we want to talk. So are there any questions and comments uh, based on either last week, uh, husbands and wives, or this week on parenting? What do you guys think? Any questions and comments? Michelle. Right, now I'm going to hand this microphone. Um, Matt, that was well done. Um, I just found today, looking at children of today, that a lack of um, neglect, especially to do with fathers and divorce and what's happening, really provokes kids to anger. And then also, um, when we sometimes if we discipline our kids instead of teaching them, provokes them more to anger, like running around the church and disciplining them, sort of saying, teaching them at home to do that also. And I think you've really said it well. Yeah. I think one thing I learned... (coughs) forgot about that, yeah. Um, One thing I learned is, I read a couple of really great books from Ted Tripp and his son. Um, There's a couple of things in there that you can give or take in terms of smacking. You can, that's, that's open open issue, you can do whatever you want with that but the close stuff about how to shepherd a child's heart is gold, we've got them on the, on the bookstall but what he steps you through you come down and you talk to your kids when they do something wrong, now I didn't realise this for years but then you start talking to them about how you don't just go bang, smack them or whatever you've got to explain you know I mean I'm well versed in this because I'm disciplining them all the time and say so one of them does it, something wrong and I, ask, I say, do you realise what you've done wrong? Say, we have a conversation about it. Do you realise you've disobeyed Daddy? You have disobeyed Daddy. you know I have to discipline you now because Daddy loves you and I'm teaching you what's the right thing? You know, Jesus died for our sins. We always have to bring the gospel in as well. So you must bring the gospel in and say, you know, Daddy's a sinner as well. I'm not perfect. But we need to learn that when we do the wrong thing, it has to be dealt with. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. 
But Daddy's responsibility is to teach you how to be a godly little girl. And so I have to smack you now. We smack and then we cuddle and then we pray. And then it's all good. And she's perfect. <laughs> Neil, um, Matt, you, you said that there's only one reason to discipline your children, and that's for disobedience. Yep. And that's all good and well in the context of this. However, we don't we need to discipline our children in the context of the whole of Scripture? So I know that in our home, for example, probably the biggest, um, the, the, the most discipline came as a result of dishonesty, not disobedience. Well, I would say that dishonesty is disobedience. So I wouldn't throw that out. I think under disobedience comes a whole array of things. Because Daddy said that this is the wrong thing and you've been dishonest. And that's actually disobeying Daddy. So explaining the dishonesty is helpful for them and for you. You know what I mean? Not that, oh, you've been dishonest, bang. But you've been dishonest and you know what? Let's back up the truck a little here. That means that you have not been listening to Daddy about this. God has given Daddy the responsibility to be teaching you how to be honest. And God says, do not lie. And so that's disobedience. So I would say yes, absolutely now. But it comes under the disobedience banner. I suppose that, that brings it right back to the father if you haven't taught your child to be Absolutely. honest. Exactly. It's your fault. Can, exactly. Neil, that's very helpful. Can I pick up on that? Because that is a point Matt and I actually discussed this week in preparation for this. What I was saying to Matt, and we did discuss this, is if my little guy rides a bicycle down a ramp and through the front window of our lounge, he's going to be in trouble. But I'm not going to discipline him and now I mean by spanking or, or punishment. Let me put it that way, punishment. Unless I said to him, do not ride your bicycle down the ramp through the window. I want him to be clear about what is childish, stupid, foolish, and what will send him to hell. God will never send a child to hell for riding a bicycle through a front window. But he will for disobeying your parents. And so I've got to love what God loves. And make that a punishment issue. That's what I think Matt was trying to say. Yep, and so Neil is 100% right. In dishonesty, we, we would instantly punish our children for all dishonesty, no matter how small. Because I read them Revelation, and I show them that outside of the kingdom are liars, and that this will send you to hell. And so I will punish. But Neil's 100% right. I've taught my children that. And that's the key thing. So what I think Matt was saying is punish for what matters most, and that is disobedience. Then Sims, and then Achilles. I think uh, one of the hardest things is bringing up a child, from a child to a teenager, and when they walk away after all the instruction and love and pretty everything you've said. How can you overcome this? What age do you let them go? <laughs> See, now, this is, a, this is a prime example of why the church is a community. Because we've got older folk here, and I know, Len, that you're one of those younger but slightly older folk, um, who've experienced where you've loved a child none of us is perfect you've disciplined and they've still gone astray and there's other parents here who are well (laughs) I don't want to point fingers who've got perfect children Um, 
And that's why we're a community, because we learn from each other. But I want to say this, that if you gospel a child, let me put it this way, to raise a child is not difficult. To raise a Christian child is impossible. And that's why we gospel our children, because we believe that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Matt was talking earlier about behaviorism and changing the heart. You can't change your child's heart. The Bible teaches you that emphatically. What you've got to do is gospel your children. And as you teach Christ to your children, that changes the heart and that leads to changed behavior. And that's the only hope that parents in this room have. But at the end of the day, it's God and His grace. I do think there are some real encouraging promises in the Bible. Um, But at the end of the day, then, the answer is grace. And that's why we gospel our children and we pray. And we never stop praying. So that's a helpful comment, then. Thank you. Achilles. You've already touched a bit on it, but I was just going to add a comment um, about distinguishing between um, evangelizing your children, um, which we need to do, and prayer is the main thing. Um, and and this and this injunction here is really in the context of um, you know a Christian community where you encouraging um, holy living. And um, so to distinguish between two, because you can't evangelize your kid by setting making rules, um, and um, but you can encourage them. Uh, to be godly by reminding them of rules. And I'm just reminded that it says in the Old Testament, well, Paul says the law was a tutor to lead us to Christ. So in the same way that, um, you know, that, 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 that image is given to us is that, that the rules, the simple rules, highlight things we need to do and drive us to Christ. So um, I think that's why he doesn't spend a lot of time on... on talking to children here, he gives them a simple command um, and he refers to the Ten Commandments there and because that's appropriate for children that, that works for children when, they, when they're small and their hearts are soft they, they do listen to rules but it's the same as with the children of Israel they, they listened for a bit and then they didn't <laughs> so they need to be evangelized so just to distinguish between uh, sort of becoming Christians and living as Christians Well, I think I think you just want to be careful, don't you? I can totally agree with you, Achilles. But um, I think, as parents and as uh, you know, religious lovers, we err on the side of law, and so that means that um, yes, we instruct our children to obey us in the context of the gospel of grace. I think, for me especially, I need to just be reminded: my default setting is keep the rules, kids. So um, I need to be shepherding their hearts reminding myself that my command as father is to, as the father under under God, is to nourish them in the gospel and discipline and instruct them in that context of the Lord. So it's getting that balance. But I think if in doubt, I want to overwhelmingly go on the side of grace and the gospel. And I may just say the whole idea of obeying your parents presupposes rules. No one here is saying that we don't make rules. Every parent has got rules for their children. Don't put your feet on the couch. It's a rule. 
If you do, you're not going to get punished because there's dirt on the couch. Because Jesus doesn't care about the couch. It's because you disobeyed. So the very idea of obeying your parents presupposes rules. But like you said, rules are for children, not for adults. We walk by spirit. Here's the thing. As your child grows, less and less are the rules. More and more are the choices that you make. And they're gospel-informed choices. Yeah. Let's have, oh, Taryn. Taryn at the back there. Oh, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Chris has been away. Yeah? What's the time? Yes. Let's have a penultimate one. Taryn and one other happy person. Okay, so my question is what happens when a child's in an abusive family? How are they expected to obey and respect people that hurt them? I was talking to the children earlier and you would have heard me say we love no sorry we obey those who love us and look after us that's why we obey God I don't want to obey uh, uh, Allah he's done nothing for me I obey God because he loves me and looks after me I don't think we are called ever to obey anyone who doesn't love us and look after us That's why a wife submits to her husband because the husband is to exercise self-denying love for his wife. It's the way God has created the order. And I said last week that I don't think wives anywhere in the Bible are commanded to submit to abuse or uh, to dereliction when a husband leaves and they're abandoned. And in the same way with children. I don't think children are called to obey parents who are abusive. I think they need to be rescued. And once again, that's why we have a community. And I may just say, you know, it makes me think again, Len's question and your... Does that help, Taryn? Really? So I, I just... When you come to the Bible, if you read it like rules, it becomes very difficult because you've got different situations. We don't read the Bible as rules. We read the Bible as gospel. And therefore... Sometimes it applies and sometimes it doesn't. And for wives, no woman, is, no woman ought to remain in an abusive relationship because it's different. But coming back to Len and you, it just shows you how we need to live as a community because we learn from each other. We learn. Um, Brendan, who you all know, uh, who's you know, one of our missionaries now, but yeah, Brendan and I had a great relationship and we would have arguments about how to raise children. Because he would think I'm too hard and I'd think I'm too, he's too soft. And, you know, but I look back now and I realize we're both wrong. We were both growing. And that's why I would encourage families to talk to each other in love. You know, some parents, you cannot mention their children and their discipline. It's like you just don't go there. Well, I think you should go there. Christians should stop being nice to each other and start loving each other. And there's a big difference. Last one, last, last one. Yes, Steve Dolby shaking his hands. And why does he want to see me straight afterwards? No? Right. Oh, well, that's right. Uh, we've had Taryn. Now we'll hear the other half. All right. Um, last week we did husbands and wives. Oh, yeah, husbands and wives. And uh, Bible, Bible study on Friday we were discussing um, husbands and wives and the roles, etc. Husband being the head. Um, and does that verse, does that section of Ephesians talk to us in the sense of a spiritual in a spiritual way as the head in other words does the husband lead the family in a spiritual sense only 
Or does it also mean he has to be the head of the home? In other words, he has to bring home the bacon every, every month as well. Or how does that, roll? How does that fit? And how does that uh, apply to that context here? Well, brother, um, I, I insist on answering this one because I said to Matt, I've got a great answer. It, the question presupposes a false dichotomy between spiritual and real. Mate, the spiritual world is the real world. Bringing home bacon is spiritual. We don't live in that world. That is a Roman Catholic era where you have the sacred and the profane, the secular and the spiritual. Christians don't believe that. It's all spiritual. It's all. That's why we say we worship God not just on Sundays, every day of the week. And it's the same. You going to work, Graham, and doing your insurance stuff is a spiritual act of worship to God. Paul says in Romans 12, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual worship. So when the husband is providing for his children clothes and food, he's doing a spiritual service for his children. But he ought not to do that and neglect the other, teaching them the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's both and, not either or. And therefore, to answer your question, the husband is the head of the wife, both with bacon and with the Bible. He is the head. Wives, submit to your husbands in in everything. That's why. Because it's all spiritual. The whole lot. We don't. We live in the real world, mate. Christianity is in the real world. I know you know that. I'm just preaching, so stop it. Okay, right. Um, we're going to have uh, intercessory prayer. I'm going to pray for us, and obviously.